Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kinton Knight. This episode is about John Diver's article, How Skeptical is Quine's Modal Skepticism, published in The Monist in 2017. The philosophy of modality studies necessity, what must be the case, contingency, what is the case but could be different, mere possibility, what is not the case but could be, and related notions. Philosophers of modality investigate which sentences or propositions are necessary, contingent, and merely possible, and they investigate what modality consists in. There are two different respects in which one might be classed a modal sceptic. One might be sceptical about the project of investigating which sentences or propositions are necessary, contingent, and merely possible. So in the same way that the external world sceptic thinks that we cannot know that we have hands, the modal sceptic in this first sense thinks that we cannot know that it is contingent that we have hands, or necessary that we're not a fried egg. But one could also be sceptical about the very notion of modality, because one thinks that it is spooky, or unintelligible, or paradoxical, and so is to be dispensed with, or not worthy of serious philosophical discussion. This latter modal scepticism is, I think, closer to a certain type of dismissive scepticism about religion, which just takes religion to be silly and not worth seriously engaging with. It's this latter variety of modal scepticism that's often attributed to Quine. But in this paper, John Divers argues that it's wrong to label Quine in this way because he does not hold the extreme view that modality is unintelligible or paradoxical or anything that should lead us to just stop talking about modality altogether. Rather, Divers' argument is that Quine is better understood as a non-sceptical anti-realist about modality. Divers first discusses what he calls Quine's logistical explication of metaphysics. When it comes to questions about ontology, that is, questions about what there is, Quine's methodology runs as follows. First, we're to identify the telling discourse, that is, the appropriate place to look to settle questions of ontology. The telling discourse, according to Quine, is the optimal formulation of best total science. I'll call this best theory from now on. Best theory is something like the strongest, simplest way to describe the world. Second, we are to translate the telling discourse into first-order logic. To be, according to Quine, is then to be the value of a bound variable. Or put more simply, if part of the best theory says that something is negatively charged, then a negatively charged thing exists. Divers thinks that this logistical approach is to be extended to the explication of questions not just about what there is, but also about how things are. This is what Quine calls ideology as opposed to ontology. To carry out this task, we are to look not just to variables and the quantifiers that bind them, but also to logical connectives and operators at play in the best theory. This is where we return to modality. The question now is whether modal logic, and hence modal operators, formerly a box for necessity and a diamond for possibility, feature in the best theory. According to Divers, Quine is clear that modal logic should not feature in the best theory, but Divers infers from this not that Quine is a modal sceptic, but that he is an ideological modal anti-realist, which is to say that Quine denies that there is real, irreducible, objective modality in the world. 
But this is not to say that there is no use for our mode of discourse or that modality is irredeemably paradoxical or otherwise defective, as those who would brand him a sceptic would have it. To initially motivate this thought, Divers notes that David Lewis may be thought of as an ideological modal anti-realist, his plurality of worlds is intended to contain no irreducible modality, and yet no one categorises Lewis as a modal sceptic. So we see that rejection of irreducible modality is separable from radical modal scepticism. Next, Divers identifies two theses or canards that are commonly but erroneously associated with Quine and from which his modal scepticism is supposed to follow. The first supposedly Quinean thesis is that modal logic is unintelligible. Specifically, constructions of the form something is necessarily F, for example, Aristotle is necessarily human, or this electron is necessarily negatively charged, are unintelligible or nonsensical. However, Quine did not think that constructions of the form something is necessarily F are unintelligible without qualification. Unintelligibility only arises if the necessity is interpreted as analyticity, i.e. as arising from the meanings of words. This is perhaps an understandable assumption given that Quine's interlocutors at the time would have been inclined to think that necessity must be a matter of analyticity. But to say that Aristotle is necessarily human is analytic is nonsensical because Aristotle is an individual, not a word with meaning and hence to which the concept of analyticity may apply. But the intelligibility of something is necessarily F, and hence of Aristotle is necessarily human, for example, can be restored if the necessity is interpreted differently. The necessity in question could not be reduced to analyticity or meaning and would have to satisfy the following. For some attribute F, 1, some but not all individuals would satisfy F, 2, among these some would satisfy necessarily F and others would not, 3, None of this would turn on the mode of presentation of the things satisfying or failing to satisfy F or necessarily F. That's just to say, the necessity would hold of things objectively and independently of how those things are described or thought of by us. This sense of necessity is what would later come to be called metaphysical necessity, though Quine avoided that label. Divers speculates he avoids this because it would have been viewed as a cheap pejorative thrown in for rhetorical effect. What is Quine's assessment of necessity understood in this way, what we may call metaphysical necessity? In short, Divers says that Quine thought that modal logic with the necessity interpreted as metaphysical is so costly that scientific theory can only be best without it. This is, however, resolutely not to say that modality so conceived is unintelligible. Something can be philosophically costly without being unintelligible. The problem for Quine is that if we interpret the necessity in something is necessarily F as metaphysical, we engender a commitment to Aristotelian essentialism, and this, Quine thought, was to be avoided. But what's so wrong with Aristotelian essentialism? That is, what's so wrong with the idea that things can have attributes of necessity and that this can be the case independently of how those things are described? Divers formulates the problem in terms of a dilemma. Essentialism must be either the product of unexplicated metaphysics, i.e. metaphysics that has not arisen from a regimentation of our best theory, or it is generated from explicated metaphysics and one must be prepared to defend the place of essentialism in best theory. If essentialism is the product of unexplicated metaphysics, then it is not in good epistemological standing and so can be rejected. But on the other hand, 
Quine was not prepared to countenance the presence of essentialist discourse in best theory, or so divers suggests, because this would be tantamount to defending the viability and desirability of reformulating, for example, relativity and quantum mechanics in Aristotelian essentialist terms. So Quine rejects essentialism and rejects the modal logic that would seem to entail essentialism. But this is very different from simply deeming modal logic unintelligible. Rather, Quine thinks that countenancing modal logic as part of our best theory commits us to couching that theory in Aristotelian essentialist terms, and this latter implication is too costly, hence we should reject the idea that modal logic is part of best theory. Just to dwell on this a moment longer, the idea seems to be that even if we could, in theory, reformulate fundamental physics in essentialist terms, doing so would be inelegant or unwieldy, even if not incoherent. But we should not want to unnecessarily complicate best theory, so we should reject essentialism, and hence the modal logic that implies it. The second canard, according to divers, about Quine's modal scepticism, says that Quine thought that modal logic was semantically defective. The thought then continues that Quine was refuted with the advent of possible world semantics. But, and just to keep things brief here, Divers argues that Quine's concerns were not hostage to developments in the semantics of modal logic. What's more, Quine did not think that translations of essentialist claims into claims about trans-world individuals, as per possible world semantics, were any more plausible candidates to feature in best theory than the essentialist's claims were themselves. In short, then, the real issue, according to Divers, that Quine had with modal logic is that it implies Aristotelian essentialism, and the concerns thus engendered could not be eased by developments in possible world semantics. So, to recap, Quine thought neither that modal logic was unintelligible without qualification, nor that it was irredeemably semantically defective. Interpreting necessity as metaphysical, restored intelligibility, but, according to Quine, at too great a philosophical cost, and his arguments on this score did not turn on any metalogical considerations that could be remedied by the advent of possible worlds. Divers concludes that Quine's modal scepticism is really no more sceptical than the sort of Humean metaphysics according to which modality is not a real feature of fundamental reality. And this is something endorsed by the likes of David Lewis and Ted Sider, who would hardly be classed as modal sceptics in the radical sense sometimes attributed to Quine, according to which modality is paradoxical or unintelligible and something on which we should thus be silent. According to Divers, then, Quine is better cast as a modal anti-realist, but not just any form of anti-realism will do. Quine would not buy any anti-realist view that turned on the notion of analyticity, this would fall foul of his arguments in Two Dogmas, nor would he buy any version of anti-realism that required a robust notion of truth in terms of correspondence, i.e. some view that metaphysically reduced the modal to the non-modal. The best option, according to divers, for a Quinean anti-realism would be something closely allied with Blackburn's quasi-realism. But in the interests of not piling too much into this episode, and indeed in not completely misrepresenting divers' subtle suggestion here, which I'm not sure I've completely understood, I'll say no more. Divers suggests that countenancing modal logic entails a commitment to couching best theory in Aristotelian essentialist terms. That is to say, a commitment to the viability and desirability of couching, for example, general relativity and quantum mechanics in Aristotelian essentialist terms. 
but it's not completely clear to me why this is so. Why, for example, could it not be admitted simply that essentialism features in best theory, even if it's not the case that all aspects of best theory ought to be put in essentialist terms? If we were not forced to reformulate quantum mechanics and relativity, but just accept certain essentialist theses alongside these theories, the implications of modal logic would, it seems, be less damaging. It might then seem that Quine should not be sufficiently concerned about modality to motivate even anti-realism, let alone radical scepticism. But on the other hand, and going in the completely opposite direction now, central to Diver's argument is that Aristotelian essentialism is not unintelligible and that Quine did not think it unintelligible. But my suspicion is that more positivistically inclined metaphysicians would probably maintain just this, that Aristotelian essentialism is a kind of sophistic garbage, even if not straightforwardly paradoxical or obviously guilty of making some category error. If this were the case, then the problem with modal logic would not simply be that if taken as part of best theory, it would force us to complicate science by couching it in essentialist terms, but it would infect science with unintelligible sophistry. The question then is, just how squeamish about Aristotelian essentialism was Quine? I'm not completely convinced that Divers has given us enough reason to think that he is not just as squeamish as the more positivistically inclined philosophers just imagined. It remains open then that Quine had in mind a far more damning and straightforward indictment of modal logic, in which case it might make less sense to imagine Quine endorsing a non-sceptical quasi-realism about modality. Quasi-realism does not maintain that we do anything deeply wrong when modalising, but the Quine I am imagining now does think that there is something very wrong with modalising, even if interpreted so as to avoid straightforward incoherence. So I think a lot turns on just how bad Quine thinks Aristotelian essentialism is, and I think there's perhaps more to say in order to be convincing on this score. Thanks for listening to Condensed Matter. Please rate and review the show on your favourite app so that more people can find it. There's also a link to the show's Patreon page in the episode notes. Your support will help towards the costs associated with hosting and production and will lead to improvements in your future listening experience. Patrons of the show will also get the chance to suggest articles and guests for future episodes. 